Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the Spooky SLV Podcast, and I'll be your host, Brad Hicks. Let's get started. Okay, we're going to start tonight with a story from a very old friend of mine, Rita Gonzalez. Uh, This is a story conveyed to her by her mother, and we're just going to call it Possibly La Llorona. This event, as I call it, took place in La Jara, Colorado, around 54 years ago. I will do my best to tell the story as my mom told me. My mom invited her good friend Rosalie to sleep over at her house, and at that time they were both 17 years old. My grandpa and grandma were also there as it was already nighttime and it was bedtime as well. Now, my grandpa and grandma had a well on the outside of the house that they closed up because they had installed indoor plumbing years ago. My mom and Rosalie were sleeping in the bedroom on the same side as the well, and my grandpa and grandma were sleeping in another bedroom catty-corner to the bedroom the girls were in. They went to sleep, and my mom thinks it was already very late into the night when all of a sudden they woke up alarmed, confused, and scared as they heard a horribly awful scream. My mom describes it like a scream, yell, and cry at the same time. After hearing this, the girls stayed quiet just listening, and by that time, Grandpa was knocking on the door, asking if they were okay. Rosalie was shaking like a leaf as my mom was also scared, but not as scared as her friend. Then the girls went to my grandpa and grandma's bedroom where the girls woke up my grandma and asked if she had heard the curdling scream. Grandma responded with confusion saying, what are you girls talking about? My grandfather at the time was dealing with the fact that he was going blind because of diabetes, was elderly, and the only male in the house at night. My grandpa, though scared, knew the layout of the house and the yard despite being blind. Mustering courage on a whim, my grandpa grabbed an axe he had in the house and went outside to check out what was happening. After a few minutes, he came in and said he couldn't hear anything or anyone. My mom and Rosalie slept with my grandma that night as my grandpa stayed awake all night to protect the girls and my grandma. My mom, needless to say, will never forget the first, last, and only time she states this happened as she never heard it again. They never could find an explanation. I mentioned the well next to the girl's bedroom because my mom speculates that although she didn't know what the scream entailed, what did cross her mind was the legend we all know of La Llorona. We will never know, but would love to get people's thoughts on this experience. And also Rita adds, if Rosalie, you are hearing this podcast and recognize this experience, please contact me via messenger. I'm sure my mom would be thrilled to reconnect with you. So what do y'all think? Could it have been La Llorona? This story is a new submission from a friend of mine named Bradley Tatro. He uh, he and I worked together over at Youth Track for a couple of years, a few years back, and uh, he's a good guy, great musician, great writer at the same time. So his story is called We Were Chased by Aliens. This story is based on true events that were told to me by a trusted childhood friend. May he rest in peace. Names have been changed for the sake of privacy. Written through the eyes of Hank Batters. We were chased by aliens. Around 3 o'clock in the morning is usually when the crazies come alive, or so I've been told. I mean, I'm usually fast asleep, lost in the wonderful world of stories and dreams, resting my aching, aging bones for the busy day that is sure to come. 
Tonight, however, it's exactly three in the morning and I am, unfortunately, still awake. These two other assholes wouldn't stop drinking and to be honest, I didn't want to stop either. We were having fun. Something we rarely get to do anymore is step away from our busy life and families to make some time for the fellas. Yep, last night we were just three old friends getting wrecked like we were back in college, but this time there were no beer pong tables or sexy college tail running around. Just video games and pizza. We're all too old and married to be chasing anything but a nap. Sam was the first to see them that morning. He calls them fucking thingamajigs. What the hell is that? Do you see that? Those fucking thingamajigs? I didn't see them at first because my eyes were closed. Too much of the sauce always gives me a headache. So I just said no. Roger did too, and from the looks of it, he's not feeling so well either. Sam has never been a heavy drinker, so with a few beers in his gut, he became the designated driver. A pretty safe bet, except Sam has some of the thickest glasses known to mankind. His eyesight is about as good as the average bat. But when Roger, a rough and tough cowboy, slumped his head over and looked out the windshield, and with a heavy kick to the floorboard yelled, Dude, what the fuck? My curiosity had peaked. I jumped out of my daze and leaned forward between the two seats to see what was making two grown men act such in such a frightful way. What the? I trailed off because I couldn't believe my eyes. There in front of Sam's F-150 was something you only see on TV. Listening to the wackos who want their 15 minutes of fame with some shady video that's always blurry. But there's no camera filter in my eyes and I know I'm not senile yet. I mean, I'm only 42. People go crazy at 42? Have I lost my marbles already? No, both Roger and Sam can see it too. I'm not crazy. There are two flying discs suspended in the air, laced with flashing lights that strobe from the outer shell to the center. Synchronized and constant, they're both hovering off the ground about 100 feet in the air. Sam stops the truck. I know what he wants to do because Sam isn't afraid of anything. He wants to step out of the truck and take a closer look. Turn around, I quickly said, hoping to deter Sam from the inevitable outcome of a headline that reads, Three drunken idiots go missing in the San Luis Valley. I can see it now. Sam is really thinking about it. Roger is speechless, but is completely sobered up. I mean, we all have at this point. And is fighting his own fight-or-flight responses. His whole body is shaking. Mine is, too. The flying disc dropped down to about 50 feet above the road and I can feel them staring at us through whatever it is we're looking at. I can hardly explain it, and I can't take a picture because I can't figure out how to run that damn phone. Anyway, I left it at home on the table by Marcy's chair. So it's of no use. And I know these two poor bastards don't have one. I'm not kidding, Sam. Turn around. Yeah, I think we should turn around, Roger agreed. Thankfully. Something doesn't feel right here, Sam. It's like I can feel them looking at me. Something weird is going to happen. Aw, oh, horse shit, Roger. Hank, you guys know this is some kind of government test. You know as well as I do that Mount Blanca isn't just rocks. Nope. The government is hiding technology in them, and we're seeing the proof right here, right now. Let's get out and take a closer look. They're probably just pranking us. I don't think that's such a good idea, buddy. This sure doesn't seem like a government prank. 
Besides, what? Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why waste money pranking three miserable saps like ourselves? This is no time for curiosity. I didn't know what else to say because I, I just want to leave. I'm about a split hair away from throwing him out of the driver's seat so we can get along and find ourselves out of here. Well, all right, I suppose. Sam says with a heavy breath, I'll turn around. Sam puts the truck back into gear and begins turning around, but when he does, the UFO starts slowly approaching the truck. Getting closer and closer while Sam is in the middle of a three-point turnaround. All of our eyes are glued to the saucers. Even Sam, who only turns his head long enough to make sure he isn't too far in the ditch. Sam stops the truck for a second, then asks, Are those things getting closer? Roger, most definitely, and I think you ought to keep going. Get this truck out of the road, damn it. At this moment, I see fear in Sam's eyes that I have never seen before. He's done messing around, and I know now that he can feel it too. Something ain't right here. We're in the wrong spot at the wrong time, and now I'm watching Sam struggle with the shifter. This stupid thing, he mumbles, pushing the gas before the truck is even in gear. Just put the damn thing in reverse and let's get the hell out of here, Sam. What are you doing? Roger starts slapping the dash as the saucers keep approaching. There's no sound coming from the objects, just a revved up truck that is slammed into gear and jerks all three of us forward until the brakes are slammed again. Sam, without taking his hand off the shifter this time, pushes into first and peels the sand from beneath the tires. We go from zero to fifty in about five seconds and Sam isn't letting up on that pedal. Soon we are racing down a paved road at a whopping eighty miles an hour, but when I look behind us the discs are still there. We're being chased by aliens. I yell over the wind coming through Roger's window. They're still behind us, Sam. Speed up. And I can hear the truck rev higher as it tries to keep up with such a high demand of gas shooting through its piston. My heart is racing. My sweaty palms are clenched into my flexing thighs. And I can't help but lean back and lean back, trying to get as far away from those things as humanly possible. How fast you going, Roger questions Sam, but never looks at him. His eyes are wide. His wide eyes are hypnotized by the strobe lights approaching. She's tapped out, man. I can't go any faster. Come on, baby. Get moving. Sam bounces on his seat with white knuckles, molding the steering wheel with his wedding ring. You just keep your eyes on the road now. Watch for them deer. I mistakenly spoke aloud. I think it's getting closer. What? What the hell did he just say? Sam looks over at Roger, but only long enough to see the crow's feet above his cheeks. He didn't say nothing you should worry about. Suddenly, the air becomes silent, and my sight begins to blur. A second later, there is a long, high-pitched ring echoing in my head. It feels like I was smacked with a baseball bat. Between then and now, I have somehow been thrown into the dash between both Sam and Roger. I guess Sam had to slam on the brakes because the road ends and we have to turn into another direction. And with my attention on the aliens, I wasn't ready for the sudden change in speed. You all right, big fella? Roger helps me out of the dash and then rubs the back of my head. You're not bleeding. Sorry about that, Hank. I'll warn you next time. Sam says in a rush, turning the truck into a fishtail whip before stomping on the pedal again. The flying saucers were still there, flashing lights at tents that tease our efforts as they stalk us like we're prey. 
constantly getting closer regardless of speed. Sam's F-150 is no match for alien ships and all three of us know this is true. We're mice on a wheel, cheese for the second, and an easy snack for something unearthly. And out of all the scenarios I have played out in my head, I never thought for a second that this is how I would go. Being abducted by aliens and sent to some strange planet where, all, where we are all become zoo creatures for their families to prick and prod. I don't want to be caged up, I said aloud. Roger replies, what the hell are you talking about? Sam chimes in too. He did smack, his, smack that dash pretty hard, Bubba. Might check him again. I feel fine, and I'm pretty sure they know what I meant. Only God knows what these things will do to us now. It must have been 15, maybe 20 seconds down the county road 10 when this ship speed up briskly in unison, rising up, then lowering again ahead of Sam's speeding truck. The chasers have become the chasees. All the lights point to the center of the ships, and both of them light up at the exact same time with the exact same pattern up and down, up and down, up and down. There's a red light in the center of each. It shows better than any camera that there's a circular base with three cracks spreading from the focal point. It looks like a door, kind of like the ones you would see in a science fiction movie like Star Trek. But instead of the malleable metal of the Starship Enterprise, this door is made of something like thick, adamant stone. I bet it would sound like you were sliding bricks together when it opened, but I'm no scientist, so I have no need to speak, seek more information on the matter. My only goal is to get away from them now. Stop the truck. Turn around. Don't follow them, I shout in a panic. I am, damn it. Hold on, Sam says. I brace myself by grabbing a hold of the oh shit handle above the window with one hand and the other on the back of Roger's seat. I don't need a concussion and a probing all in the same day. It just needs to end. The truck slows down and the two ships keep the same speed. More and more distance grows between us until finally... They both shoot straight up in the air and out of sight, gone within the blink of an eye and never to be seen again. Poof. The cab of the truck is silent and every one of us, I'm sure, is thinking the same thing. Ain't nobody gonna believe this shit, Roger says. I knew it. Author's note. Obviously, I added some cinematic visuals to this tale of Hank, Roger, and Sam being chased by two alien ships on that terrifying night, but the basis of the story is based on true events. It was told to me by a dear friend who stated we were chased by aliens. This took place in San Luis Valley near the County Road 10, a few miles from Alamos, Colorado. Thank you for those who are participants in this story and allow me to share your experience. Keep your eyes to the sky. <laughs> I really do like that story. That's a good one. Very good one. Um, I will have one more story this evening it will be another creepypasta that yours truly has written okay this next segment was submitted to me by a friend of mine um used to work with him over at youth track a few years ago i've known him for well that long we worked there for a couple of years his name is bradley a tatro jr and the title of his story is We Were Chased by Aliens. This story is based on true events that were told to me by a trusted childhood friend. May he rest in peace. Names have been changed for the sake of privacy. Written through the eyes of Hank Batters. 
we were chased by aliens. Around 3 o'clock in the morning is usually when the crazies come alive, or so I've been told. I mean, I'm usually fast asleep, lost in the wonderful world of stories and dreams, resting my aching, aging bones for the next busy day that is sure to come. Tonight, however, it's exactly 3 in the morning, and I am, unfortunately, still awake. These two other assholes wouldn't stop drinking, and to be honest, I didn't want to stop either. We were having fun. Something we rarely get to do anymore is step away from our busy lives and families to make some time for the fellas. Yep, last night we were just three old friends getting wrecked like we were back in college. But this time there were no beer pong tables or sexy college tail running around. Just video games and pizza. We're all too old and married to be chasing anything but a nap. Sam was the first to see them that morning. He called them fucking thingamajigs. What the hell is that? Do you see that? Those fucking thingamajigs? I didn't see them at first because my eyes were closed. Too much of the sauce always gives me a headache. So I just said no. Roger did too, and from the looks of it, he's not feeling too well either. Sam has never been a heavy drinker, so with only a few beers in his gut, he became the designated driver. A pretty safe bet, except Sam has some of the thickest glasses known to mankind. His eyesight is about as good as an average bat. But when Roger, a rough and tough cowboy, slumped his heavy head over and looked out the windshield, and with a heavy kick to the floorboard yelled, Dude, what the fuck? My curiosity had peaked. I jumped out of my daze and leaned forward between the two seats to see what was making two grown men act in such a frightful way. What the fuck? I trailed off because I couldn't believe my eyes. There in front of Sam's F-150 was something you rarely see only on t- other on TV. Listening to the wackos who want their 15 minutes of fame with some shady video that's always blurry. But there's no camera filter in my eyes and I know I'm not senile yet. I mean, I'm only 42. Do people go crazy at 42? Have I lost my marbles already? No. Both Roger and Sam can see it, too. I'm not crazy. There are two flying discs suspended in the air, laced with flashing lights that strobe from the outer shell to the center. Synchronized and constant, and they're both hovering off the ground about 100 feet in the air. Sam stops the truck. I know what he wants to do, because Sam isn't afraid of anything. He wants to step out of the truck and take a closer look. Turn around. I quickly said, hoping to deter Sam from this inevitable outcome of a headline that reads, Three drunken idiots go missing in the San Luis Valley. I can see it now. Sam is really thinking about it. Roger is speechless, but is completely sobered up. I mean, we all have at this point. And he is is fighting his own fight-or-flight responses. His whole body is shaking. Mine is too. The flying discs drop down to about 50 feet above the road, and I can feel them staring at us through whatever it is we're looking at. I can hardly explain it, and I can't take a picture because I can't figure out how to run that damn phone. Anyway, I left it at home on the table by Marcy's chair, so it's of no use, and I know these two poor bastards don't have one. I'm not kidding, Sam. Turn around. Yeah, I think we should turn around, Roger agreed thankfully. Something doesn't feel right here, Sam. It's like I can feel them looking at me. Something weird is going to happen. 
Ah, horseshit, Roger. Hank, you guys know this is some kind of government test. You know as well as I do that Mount Blanca isn't just rocks. Nope. The government is hiding technology in them, and we're seeing the proof right here, right now. Let's get out and take a closer look. They're probably just pranking us. I knew it. I don't think that's a good idea, buddy. This sure doesn't seem like a government prank. Besides, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why waste money pranking three miserable saps like ourselves? This is no time for curiosity. I didn't know what else to say because I just want to leave. I'm about a split hair away from throwing him out of the driver's seat so we can get along and find ourselves out of here. Well, alright, I suppose. Sam says with a heavy breath, I'll turn around. Sam puts the truck back into gear and begins turning around. But when he does, the UFOs start slowly approaching the truck, getting closer and closer while Sam is in the middle of his three-point turnaround. All of our eyes are glued to the saucers. Even Sam, who only turns his head long enough to make sure he isn't too far in the ditch. Sam stops the truck for a second and then asks, Are those things getting closer? Roger. Most definitely, and I think you ought to keep going. Get this truck on the road, damn it. At this moment, I see fear in Sam's eyes. I have never seen before. He's done messing around, and I know now that he can feel it too. Something ain't right here. We're in the wrong spot at the wrong time, and now I'm watching Sam struggle with the shifter. This stupid thing, he mumbles, pushing the gas before the truck is even in gear. Just put the damn thing in reverse and let's get the hell out of here, Sam. What are you doing? Roger starts slapping the dash as the saucers keep approaching. There's no sound coming from the objects. Just a revved up truck that is slammed into gear and jerks all three of us forward until the brakes are slammed again. Sam, without taking his hand off the shifter this time, pushes into first and peels the sand from beneath the tires. We go from zero to fifty in about five seconds and Sam isn't letting up on that pedal. Soon we are racing down the paved road at a whopping 80 miles per hour, but when I look behind us, the discs are all still there. We're being chased by aliens. I yell over the wind through Roger's window. They're still behind us. Sam, speed up. And I can hear the truck rev higher as he tries to keep up with such a high demand of gas shooting through its pistons. My heart is racing. My sweaty palms are clenched to my flexing thighs, and I can't help but to lean back, trying to get as far away from these things as humanly possible. How fast you going, Roger questions Sam, but never looks at him. His eyes, his wide eyes are hypnotized by strobe lights approaching. She's tapped out, man. I can't go any faster. Come on, baby, get moving. Sam bounces on his seat with white knuckles, molding the steering wheel with his wedding ring. You just keep your eyes on the road now. Watch for them deer. I mistakenly spoke aloud. I think it's getting closer. What? What the hell did he just say? Sam looks over at Roger, but only long enough to see the crow's feet above his cheeks. He didn't say nothing you should worry about. Suddenly the air becomes silent, and my sight begins to blur. A second later there is a long, high-pitched ringing echoing in my head. It feels like I was smacked with a baseball bat. Between then and now, I have somehow been thrown into the dash between both Sam and Roger. I guess Sam had to slam on the brakes because the road ends and we have to turn into another direction. 
and with my attention on the aliens, I wasn't ready for the sudden change in speed. You all right, big fella? Roger helps me out of the dash and then rubs the back of my head. You're not bleeding. Sorry about that, Hank. I'll warn you next time. Sam says in a rush, turning the truck into a fishtail whip before stomping the pedal next time. Before stomping the pedal again. The flying saucers are still there. Flashing lights that tease our efforts as they stalk us like we're prey. Constantly getting closer regardless of speed. Sam's F-150 is no match for alien ships and all three of us know this is true. We're mice on a wheel. Cheese for the second. And an easy snack for something unearthly. Out of all the scenarios I've played out in my head, I never thought for a second this is how I would go. Getting abducted by aliens and sent to some strange planet where we all become zoo creatures for their families to prick and prod at. I don't want to be caged up, I said aloud. Roger replies, what the hell are you talking about? Sam chimes in too. He did smack his head. He smacked that. He did smack that dash pretty hard, Bubba. Might check him again. I feel fine, and I'm pretty sure they know what I meant. Only God knows what these things will do to us now. It must have been 15, maybe 20 seconds down County Road, County Road 10 when the ship sped up briskly in unison, rising up then lowering again ahead of Sam's speeding truck. The chasers have become the chasees. At the all the lights point to the center of the ships and both of them light up at the exact same time with the exact same pattern of up and down, up and down, up and down. There's a red light in the center of each. It shows better than any camera that there's a circular base with three cracks spreading from the focal point. It looks like a door, kind of like the ones you'd see in a science fiction movie, like Star Trek. But instead of the malleable metal on the Starship Enterprise, this door is made of something like a thick, adamant-looking stone. I bet it would sound like you were sliding bricks together when it opened. But I'm no scientist, so I have no need to seek more information on the matter. My only goal is to get away from them. Now. Stop the truck. Turn around. Don't follow them, I shout in panic. I am. Damn it. Hold on, Sam says. I brace myself by grabbing a hold of the oh shit handle above the window with one hand and the other on the back of Roger's seat. I don't need a concussion and a probing all on the same day. It just needs to end. The truck slows down and the two ships keep the same speed. More and more distance grows between us until finally, they both shoot straight up in the air and out of sight, gone within the blink of an eye, never to be seen again. Poof. The cab of the truck is silent and every one of us, I'm sure, is thinking the same thing. Ain't nobody gonna believe this shit, Roger says. I knew it. Author's note. Obviously, I added some cinematic visuals to this tale of Hank, Roger, and Sam being chased by two alien ships on that terrifying night. But the basis of the story is based on true events. It was told to me by a dear friend who stated, We were chased by aliens. This took place in the San Luis Valley near County Road 10, a few miles from Alamosa. Thank you to those who are participants in this story and allow me to share your experience. Keep your eyes on the sky. Written by Bradley A. Tatro, Jr. Tatro, thanks, man. That was great. I love that one. <laughs> it's got some good comedy in it, too. I like that one a lot.
Okay, we've got another story here, and the last one for the evening from a friend of mine named Tiffany Payne. Um, I've known Tiffany for decades. <laughs> her and her husband were good friends of mine in high school, and still are. Here's a little ghost story they have called Friendly Ghosts. My in-laws' home in Manassa has been haunted for as long as I can remember. They were told when they moved in, which would have had to have been in 1973 or so, that the people that originally built the house had used recycled brick from an old prison. I'm not sure if the haunting resulted from the, the soul or of some poor prisoner that attached itself to the bricks, or if this fact is purely coincidental. However, they have experienced paranormal activity in this house for close to 50 years now. Funny thing is, the ghosts or ghosts that seem to reside there do not seem at all malevolent and have never done anything to cause harm to anyone in the house. On the contrary, these entities seem playful and almost childlike. My in-laws had a radio in the bathroom for years. This radio would turn itself on and off at will. They would be certain that it was off and it would come on at random times, even sometimes when it was unplugged. Several times when they returned from being gone, every light in the house was on and the radios and television were all going full blast. Things disappearing and then turning up in weird places, lights flickering, the doors opening and closing by themselves were common occurrences as well. They had a toy box that was kept in one bedroom for the grandkids when they came over. Several times when they went to bed, the toys were put away and the room was neat and tidy. And when they got up the next morning, the toys were strung all over the floor, even though the grandkids had not been there. The most interesting phenomena happened at the pool table. The pool table was in the family room at the end of the house where no one slept. Late at night, you would suddenly hear the pool balls roll across the table and smack into each other as if someone were playing a game of pool. I have personally witnessed this on a few occasions. According to them, this happened quite regularly, more than once. My mother-in-law got tired of it and yelled down the hall, Okay, guys, that's enough for tonight. Go to bed. And the balls would stop and all would be quiet again. At least they were polite and obedient ghosts, since they have gotten rid of the pool table but not the spirits. A few years ago then, my two- to three-year-old nephew supposedly had an interaction with one of the spirits. He was in the bathtub and heard his mom heard him talking to someone. She went in to check on him and he was giggling. When she asked what was so funny, he pointed into thin air and said, That man was tickling my toes. Needless to say, his bath was over right then and there. In all those years, my mother-in-law says she has never once been afraid or felt like anything wished harm upon them. I have spent the night there many times and my kids still do quite often. The happenings in the house are a little freaky, but so far harmless. I guess they are pretty lucky to have ended up with friendly ghosts for long-term roommates. I don't think either the mortals nor the spirits have any intention of ever leaving the house. <laughs> That's a good one. I always like a good friendly ghost story. And that was that was a good one. I like that one. Tiffany, I will read your uh, uh, second uh, story next week. We've got another one that i got to print out and everything for next week's uh, episode. Thanks again, Tiffany.